Welcome to your number one source of information on women's pelvic health. On this podcast, you will hear from medical experts, pelvic health professionals, holistic healers, and patients themselves in order to learn and understand everything there is to know about regaining and maintaining your pelvic health and becoming your own best advocate for your pelvic floor, the most vital part of our bodies as women. All of the conversations are intimate, raw, and unedited in order to deliver the most authentic information possible. Before we begin this episode, I want to thank Modern Fertility, an at-home hormone testing kit for sponsoring this podcast and for offering all listeners $10 off their first order. Modern Fertility is the first comprehensive fertility hormone test for women that you can take at home. One in six couples have trouble conceiving. We have all of the tools to prevent pregnancy. However, we need more information in order to help us plan for it, even if kids are far in the future. Proactive fertility hormone tests often are not covered by insurance and can cost upwards of $1,500. However, at just $159, Modern Fertility sends you a super easy at-home test, which you complete, send back to them, and then receive your results in under 10 days. This test gives you access to the information you need in order to help you plan ahead and navigate the world of fertility. Modern Fertility also creates a customized report in order to help you understand your fertility through your hormones. The test can tell you if you have more or less eggs than average, what you could expect from IVF or egg freezing, how your hormone levels relate to PCOS, which 1 in 10 women have, and your general hormone health, which is a window into your broader health. You'll have a personal fertility team to help you understand your results and come up with a game plan. You get access to a team of fertility nurses, a weekly webinar, and their online community of other like-minded women. If you are currently pregnant or breastfeeding, the hormone test will not work for you. You can, of course, take it after this period of time to monitor your hormone health again. And if you are over 45 years old, the modern fertility test will not work either. With that said, if you want to go ahead and order Modern Fertility's at-home kit, you will receive $10 off as a Women's Pelvic Health Podcast listener. So go to their website, www.modernfertility.com backslash pelvic health, and make sure you enter the backslash pelvic health in order to receive those $10 off. And I will link this URL in the show notes as well. So I hope that Modern Fertility will help all of you to feel empowered and in charge of your hormonal health and to better understand your amazing body. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for being here. So Amy is a pelvic floor physical therapist and a leading expert in the field of pelvic health. So can you tell us how you got started in this career? Sure. I had, it was in grad school and I had a close friend that was, uh, that had to have a hysterectomy. And from the, after the surgery, uh, she was in excruciating pain and bladder symptoms, bowel issues, uh, 
sexual pain with sexual activity, and then just generalized abdominal pelvic pain and back pain. And they ruled out infection. They ruled out um, any organic condition. They ruled out the back. So I went to my professors and I said, so what do you think this is? Because they, they can't find anything. And I went to a problem-based learning school and they put it back on me and said, well, what do you think it is? And I was like, well, I don't know, because so I'm asking you. And they basically, so from there, I opened up my textbooks and I um, started to research what it could be. And I realized since it's not low back, I thought maybe it's coming from even lower down because those nerves innervate the bladder, bowel region, the pelvic floor. And from that, I realized that she had probably pudendal neuralgia. I was in Florida, she was in New York. So it was that was that part of the diagnosis was fairly challenging. But um, she basically had pelvic pain. And from that, I became interested on what exactly is it? Why don't many physicians and other healthcare providers know about it? And how can we help this patient population? And how long have you been doing this work? That was in 98. Mm-hmm. So I really gotten, so I moved to New York after grad school. And this particular friend introduced me to her urologist. And she just started referring a couple patients the first year out of school. And I was kind of like, ooh, what do I do? (laughs) Because there weren't many classes being taught. And I I did a lot of self-teaching. And also I learned and still learn a ton from my patients. So I've been doing this a while, and I have to say my patients have taught me the most. Yes, of course, the classes, all, by the way, which are postgraduate PT classes. You don't really get a lot of training in PT school, but um, it's been a journey. It's been exciting, and, but we still have a pretty far way to go with uh, education and awareness. Would you say that you were one of the first pelvic floor physical therapist to really kind of evolve in New York City? I was one of the first, for sure. And I was uh, one of a handful in really internationally because um, a lot of the pelvic pain conditions are still fairly unrecognized in other countries. Incontinence, which is leaking, which is more of a weakness issue, uh, typically the symptoms are much or they are much different than the pain conditions um incontinence is known more internationally and that's more just strengthening and kegels but abdominal pelvic pain conditions are more it's it's harder to diagnose there's so much overlap with the conditions that um and we still have a lot more education a lot more education and awareness to to we just have to continue the education Mm -hmm. and awareness of it but I see, like, it is growing. And even this morning, I was looking at Google Analytics. A friend of mine showed me Google Analytics this morning. I've never looked at it before. But you can just literally put in keywords, and you can look at the trends from one year to current day. So I typed in pelvic health, and you can see who who's searching, like, how many people searched it, are searching it. And I think we started 2004 and went to 2019. And you can see... A, a, like a very clear, completely upward trend 
of the search people Googling pelvic health. And I think that people are starting to become more aware that a lot of conditions fall under the umbrella of pelvic health, that if you were to say you had bladder pain or painful sex or vaginal pain, however many years ago, people wouldn't have associated that with the pelvic, their pelvic floor. Right. But I think now people are starting to understand that these are pelvic floor problems most right. often. Yeah, that's interesting you say that, actually. I just have my last patient that I just left. She even said, like, people just don't Google pelvic pain. Right. But they may Google, like, urinary frequency or urinary pain or urethral pain or bowel, you know, bowel issues, irritable bowel syndrome. But they don't specifically Google pelvic pain because it's just a, it's so there's so many conditions that fall under pelvic mm-hmm. pain which makes it more complicated and one of the conditions that i want to talk about specifically today that i think is i know is really important and a lot of women suffer from that i don't think i've talked about enough on the podcast so far from a medical standpoint people have shared their personal experiences but i want you to explain it in more of the professional lens um is sexual dysfunction sexual pain and what causes these conditions and how common these conditions really are sure yeah uh, that also is an evolving topic there's definitely hormonal issues that occur both in men and women um there definitely are more hormonal issues that affect the actual vulvar tissue which is the tissue right at the vaginal opening But there's also autoimmune conditions that can play a role. And then there's the musculoskeletal system, which is what I see and treat and help to diagnose that can really play a profound role in any type of sexual pain or dysfunction. So how I describe um, pelvic floor issues as well as sexual dysfunction is into two categories. You have more of a weakness issue, which is where you do need to do more strengthening, more Kegels, um, which is a contract, relax of the muscles. And that can actually help with, if you have a decreased sexual response, Mm -hmm. because the muscles are just not contracting as well. Uh, That is more common like after childbirth or after surgery, but it can also, happen if you're not using the muscles uh, enough or if you're not exercising the muscles basically um and that incontinence is a common thing that also falls under weakness which i mentioned before but then you have the other side of the scale which is more the overactive muscles or the hypertonic muscles that can cause sexual pain so pain at the opening the vaginal opening is something that we hear often and yes again it could be hormonal but it could also be those more superficial muscles of the pelvic floor and then we also hear complaints of deep penetrating pain and that is more the deeper muscles of the pelvic floor that could be affected there are also nerves in that area um, that can cause issues we've seen uh, tailbone pain that contributes to the to any sexual pain as well in in women there could be something called persistent general arousal disorder and that is more the superficial muscles that connect to the clitoral area and that could be a extreme cause of pain and and dysfunction i actually had a patient years ago 
um, that she had the symptom and she couldn't even leave her apartment because it was so uncomfortable and painful. And that is also a commonly misdiagnosed mm-hmm. uh, dis- dis- sexual dysfunction. What is it misdiagnosed as? I just they they I, just can't diagnose it. Right. A lot of times when they don't diagnose it, yeah. they just say, you know, mental health. Right. It's you know your stress, or you need to drink more wine, mm-hmm. or you know you need to relax. And so, that's not true, obviously. Right. Yeah. So in I recently I told mentioned mm-hmm. I recently uh, wrote a new book beating endo and one of endometriosis which is a common condition that also can cause uh, pain with penetration typically it's more the deep penetrative pain because of the implants of the endometriosis mm-hmm. and also because it affects the muscle so one of our uh, case studies in the in the book is a woman that's I, th- I believe I forget this, the exact details, but New Yorker and really determined with her career and everything. And she's having the sexual pain. And the doctor says, well, all you need to do is yoga and drink wine. And she's like, I do yoga and I drink wine. So what else do you suggest? Because nothing's helping. And then that's when, for this particular patient, realized that she needed PT and to to consult with an endometriosis specialist. That's just one condition that mm-hmm. causes sexual mm-hmm. dysfunction. There's so many. And how common is are these problems? Um, uh, endometriosis is one in ten women mm-hmm. that suffer from endometriosis. Um, pelvic floor dysfunctions one in four women. That at some point in their life they are diagnosed with some type of pelvic floor dysfunction, so that's a lot. They say it's just as common as as back pain, right? And it's I I like you I like having you share these numbers not because I want to scare people, but because I think it's important for people to know that they're not alone and that these mm-hmm. problems are common. And if you have any type of pelvic pain, you may think you're the only woman in the world who has this, and it's so far from true. Right. And there's also so many ways to treat it, which is all the things that you've talked about and that you do. Right. But in terms of sexual pain in specific, do most of your patients have painful sex, or how common is that problem? In our practice, which consists of almost 250 patients a week now, uh-huh. um, I would say at least half have some type of sexual dysfunction, mm-hmm. whether it's again a weakness issue. But we tend do tend to see more pain conditions and just inability to have to ha- to even use a speculum or tampon. That's a common thing that we see in here. Um, we also see uh, post orgasmic pain, and that's basically after they orgasm, they the muscles tighten and that's the con the natural thing is for the muscles to contract for with the orgasm mm-hmm. that's just the natural process but what happens is if you can imagine a muscle already in spasm or tight and then you have they it goes through multiple contractions it's only going to tighten and get more irritated even more so so we see that as well as the others that i mentioned and so how are these problems treated? 
So when it, it comes to a musculoskeletal dysfunction, if it's nerve, muscle, connective tissue, whatever, or there's also uh, alignment issues in the back and even the hips can cause, uh, just because where the nerves are that innervate the hip to the and the pelvic floor, the hi- hip dysfunction can even mm-hmm. contribute to sexual dysfunction. So it's really looking at the body as a whole, um, really from head to toe, looking to see specifically where the dysfunction is, what's causing it, what makes it better, what makes it worse, and then looking at alignment to make sure that that it could be a contributing factor uh, or it may not be, as well uh, assessing the muscles both externally and internally. And when we do internal, we obviously get consent and make sure that the patient feels comfortable, they could have uh, someone accompany them. And in addition to that, looking at the muscle, when we do that, we look at the muscles, tissues, and the nerve, also giving them a home program, which I find really empowers our patients, is is key. So giving them whatever they, whatever they'll do, first of all, you want to make sure the patient is compliant and you don't give them too much, actually. <laughs> that could backfire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even I just start the patients with simple breathing techniques and relaxation and just trying to relax or calm the pelvic floor. And that's the nervous the, system. And the nervous mm-hmm. system. So that's the very first exercise that I give every patient. Um, just because breathing is very important, but it also, if you teach them how to relax the pelvic floor, some patients get it right away, and some patients, it could take even a couple months to to realize that they're tightening the pelvic floor muscles. So uh, another thing with the patients is that they may not feel it so much because the muscles are already too taut right. and too tight. So they actually don't feel like a release of the muscle. Can you talk about how important it is to have a pelvic floor physical therapist assess you before you start doing Kegels? I mean, I guess you can explain this better than I can, but I think that if you have any sort of pelvic pain or painful sex or vaginal pain, it's important to know whether or not your muscles are in a spasm or are actually weak and need to be doing Kegels because that's a huge misconception. I totally agree. And we're trying to change that misconception. Um, I recently published an article with uh, this other PT in Texas, Sarah Sauter, and the whole article was on when to do Kegels and when not to do Kegels. Um, Kegels have definitely been something that had been like the go-to. And now we're realizing that if there's any type of pain condition, any type of tightness or irritation of the muscle or uh, nerves, then Kegels can actually make it worse mm-hmm. because it's just like I, I can I describe it to patients. If you have a back spasm, are you going to go and do deadlifts or bridging exercises when you can't can't even stand up straight? No, you're going to re- try to relax the muscle. You may massage it. You you may put heat on the area um, and then gently stretch it. So that's similar to the pelvic floor. If there's tightness or tautness, nerve irritation, we want to do pretty much the opposite of Kegels and not strengthen. We want to lengthen the muscles that are that are tight and shortened, and we want to teach the patient breathing exercises so that they maintain that. We want to also get rid of any trigger points, which are basically taut band in the muscle that can cause pain, 
and that's what we're doing with with the patient so kegels i tell i try to explain to people that that is for pure weakness of the muscle when they don't have any of these other co-conditions of pain or bladder or bowel urgency frequency retention incomplete emptying those are all signs that the muscles aren't able to relax fully that they're tight and when they you go to the try to go to the bathroom the muscles aren't able to relax so they can you can't empty completely or you get a constant feeling like you have to go to the bathroom because again the muscles aren't able to relax and is there anything that people can do to prevent these types of problems I would say the biggest thing is an awareness of where the muscles are and what the muscles do. I think that's the first step because then uh, I describe it to patients too. Like it's if you're sitting at a computer all day long and you're you, you're experiencing neck pain and your but your shoulders are shrugged all day long. Right. Then your neck pain may never go away. And that may that be the cause of, of the neck uh-huh. pain. So just understanding where those muscles are and if you are tensing them, if you're not tensing them, those are the, that's probably the primary thing because you shouldn't be tensing. Those are, they're postural muscles. So they should be able to carry you throughout the day and, um, and not have issues, but it's it's more common again than we think. But so that's that's probably the primary thing. I and I would say also certain things like postural reeducation or, or education are important. Um, as soon as you feel any symptoms too at all in that area, and my other book, uh, Heal Pelvic Pain. And I want you to talk about that book as well. <laughs> yeah, that actually goes through symptoms of what I've been describing, the weakness conditions, and then it also goes through the overactive and or the pain conditions. So I try to tell patients to like read through those symptoms to figure out which category you are. Um, and then and then there's other hips that, I mean, there's other hips. There's other things mm-hmm. that you can't that you can't avoid or any traumatic injury like a fall on your tailbone, a hip dysfunction from a sport, um, a malalignment from your back, from a fall even when you were little. All these things can also tr- trigger pelvic floor issues. So mm-hmm. I would say in that respect too, trying to again recognize if there's anything different going on with your bladder, bowel, sexual health, and or pain in that area and I know you're not a therapist but like a a cognitive therapist but oftentimes at least what I've found is my pelvic floor physical therapists are also my cognitive therapists and I'm sure that you know when you feel the same way and your patients feel the same way they're sitting or they're in a session with you for 45 minutes and they're talking to you about their deeply intimate problems I think a lot of women who have these conditions suffer from not being able to communicate with their partners about it and that's something that I've had sex therapists on the podcast talk about in the past but from a physical therapist perspective what advice do you give your patients when they're upset and they're in pain and they don't know how to communicate this to whoever they're in a relationship with or even their family and their friends because i'm sure people ask you that all the time every day 
They do. <laughs> they do. And I have to say it's individual yes. per, per, um, per patient because I've also had patients that it's actual a religious mm-hmm. conflict that they don't want to discuss. So I have to respect that. And um, that's a great question. So we try to just really listen to the patient and try to figure out what would work best for them. If they are in a relationship and they haven't spoken about it, they really should try to. I've also had patients bring in their significant others so that we can explain what's going on. That's sometimes helpful. And if what I say and see is if a significant other isn't supportive and doesn't respond well, then definitely bring them into the PT session and definitely I would recommend a mental health therapy therapist as well. But even after that, if they still don't respond, I would say it may not be a great relationship or um, they really have to find a mental health therapist to, to work with. So we try to work with the patients as, as much as possible, but we're not trained in the mental health uh, or the um, or we aren't sex therapists. So really being able to decipher whether as a PT, whether it's under our scope of practice or to refer out. Mm-hmm. And you often do refer out to sex therapists because that's a pretty crucial part of healing pelvic pain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just from like a, the patient, being a patient and from my perspective and from talking to other patients as well, I think that when you're in a relationship and you get to a point where you're able to, or you somehow find the confidence and the courage to be able to talk about what you are going through, it's, really it provides a sense of relief and i think that most of the time your partner will be understanding about it more understanding than you think than you may have assumed yes so i do find that majority it's more of the anxiety of time, leading up to yes it. yes and the anxiety makes it worse and right. it can make your symptoms worse so i do find that opening up that line of communication with your partner is essential mm-hmm because they they need to understand what's going on and and you want their support. So Right. Totally. And more often than not, you will get better. I'm it's very rare that I don't see for, fortunately if you're getting the proper care that I don't see patients get better. I like to hear that. <laughs> I'm sure everyone listening does too. It takes time. I'm yeah. not going to, you know, yeah, it's not magic. Rosy picture, but there's no magic pill. If it's a musculoskeletal condition, there's it takes time. If you've had it for 10, 15 years, it can take time to re-educate the muscles and calm your nervous system and develop uh, behavioral habits that aren't detrimental to your to your healing process. But it's possible. It is possible. Do you want to talk a little bit about your book, Heal Pelvic Pain, the first book that you wrote now? Sure. Um, or like what are some key takeaways or yeah. something that – you talked a little bit about it before, but I just want to make sure that everyone knows about it. So it is it is offered on Amazon and I think Barnes & Noble. It's not expensive, so it's definitely worth uh, investment. It goes through 
what is pelvic the pelvic floor where is it what is pelvic floor dysfunction and it goes through the symptoms the signs and symptoms of again the overactive or the painful conditions the interstitial cystitis the irritable bowel syndrome that we see as co-conditions to pelvic floor dysfunction and then it also goes over the underactive conditions so the weakness the when you cough or sneeze or laugh you you leak um, so it goes through both and it goes through a home program about how to help both but it does not replace the pt for sure um, but it is definitely a great guide i even tell patients bring this to your physician or your healthcare provider if they're not really understanding what's going on or if you suspect this then just bring it to them educate them we need to continue the education and awareness and most often more often than not the healthcare provider will be very thankful and they'll be open to it um, i do go over self-care which is important in any any anyone's health but also uh, very briefly on nutrition. I have to say the, the, this last book, the, endometri- the endo, Beating Endo book, that does go more into depth into nutrition. And nutrition could be a key component to anyone's healing process as well. Thank you. Yes. Lots of good information. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Is there <laughs> any, any other words of advice that you have or any other resources that you want to recommend? Sure. Uh, I would say that uh, resources, there are physical therapists that specialize in this area, pelvic floor physical therapists, the American Physical Therapy Association section of women's health, as well as the International Pelvic Pain Society, as well as the National Vulvodynia Association and Herman and Wallace, they all have a find a provider. So those are great resources. I do have to say though do your homework because you could find a provider that just does incontinence or just does biofeedback or just recommends dilators and doesn't do the comprehensive approach to to pelvic health and pelvic pain specifically so that's one thing i recommend and i also say that if you need a connection with your physical therapist too so if you don't feel a good connection or if you don't feel like things are going the right way, then ideally talk to the physical therapist first about it. But if, but if things still don't seem to be changing or your symptoms are going in the wrong, wrong direction, then I would suggest looking for a second opinion. Um, also having a great team for your, as, as your providers and finding that team that can be challenging What I do find is that if you find the pelvic floor physical therapist, they may be able to recommend a urologist or gastroenterologist or gynecologist that is more familiar with the condition. They also may be able to recommend a nutritionist as well as uh, someone that does yoga specifically for pelvic health and pelvic pain. So really finding that team is key. And then I would say it takes time, like I mentioned before, so try not to get discouraged. I do more commonly see with the pelvic pain conditions that it is pretty much a two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes I see a straight, even even line, a straight uphill that's 
the positive uphill. Um, but more often than not, there are bumps, bumps in the road. P patients can flare. I can give an exercise that eventually I do want them to do on a regular basis, but maybe that exercise flares the symptoms. So that line of communication, again, with the physical therapist is key because if an exercise is bothering you, then if the physical therapist is well-trained and uh, understands pelvic health issues, they can modify that exercise so that you aren't causing pain each time. Um, keep moving, that's another recommendation. Keep exercising, don't sit still, because that tends to, it tends to make your symptoms worse typically, and it also isn't great for your mental health that you do need to move around, you do need to exercise. Distraction is a good, is a good key for healing, but also at the same time listening to your body and not overdoing. And um, yeah, just make sure that you have the resources and the support and know that pelvic health is getting there's more awareness and more understanding of it, but we still do have a long way to go. Uh, we, I still do get the physicians that say, oh, you know, it's in your head or you need to go do yoga, like I mentioned before. <laughs> and that just, they've been doing yoga and actually makes their pelvic issues worse because mm -hmm. they may have a malalignment. So really finding that team and keeping up a positive positive thoughts because i've seen that too where they've been through so much and it's been so stressful um and it's hard to keep thinking positively when things haven't been going the right way but there are people out there now so keep trying thank you so much for being here and sharing this information it's very powerful thank you how this can people contact you uh, Beyond Basics Physical Therapy in New York City. We have a midtown and a downtown location. And um, our website, beyondbasicsphysicaltherapy.com, has a lot of great information. Our social media, at Beyond Basics PT, has a lot of great information. And we also have a, a great blog, Beyond Basics PT blog, that goes through various diagnoses. Um, we go through sexual dysfunction, bladder issues, bowel issues, uh, pain conditions, as well as I think we have to, uh, to Kegel or not to Kegel <laughs> art <laughs> blog. So it has a lot of, lot of great stuff on there. And thank you for being one of the pioneers in this field. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's, cool. it's been wonderful to watch the, the growth and the, uh, the expansion of pelvic health so it's getting more exciting um but we still have to keep up with the awareness and not being afraid to talk about it too with uh, family friends and significant others yeah and just to touch on that one last note um i think that this is really an interesting perspective on the fact that many women have pelvic pain especially young women having this podcast and as it's been growing, people reach out to me, friends of friends and mutual friends, and they all say, oh, talk to Hannah. She knows about this problem and that problem. And then I try and tell them, maybe go see a physical therapist or a gynecologist who specializes in pelvic pain. But I recently said to the psychiatrist that I see, it's really upsetting sometimes to hear that all of these women in their 20s have these problems. 
and he helped me to reframe that thought and he said no you should look at it in a way where these women are so much younger than 40 years ago when people went their whole life and they weren't diagnosed now they're in their 20s they know what's wrong people are talking about it they're gonna find the right resources and find the right experts to help them and they're gonna get better Mm -hmm. and he when he said that to me I really felt much more optimistic about the work that's being done and the field and that yeah you know everyone has some something and if you're if you are 25 or however old you are you're young and you have this pain and you find out what it is because people are talking about it now more so than they were back in the day they're gonna get better right i agree and that was like a really good way to shift the way yeah yeah to shift the way that 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 um this is all viewed yeah i agree i agree and the shifting of uh, the shifting is a great idea to frame it and i i totally agree that (laughs) (laughs) the making of more positive yeah Yeah, and when i started again uh in 90 i started actually treating in 99 um there was there were two courses a year being taught on this and now there's like over 100 wow a year so it's specifically to pelvic health and pelvic floor dysfunction and then uh, the International Pelvic Pain Society, I started uh, attending in, I think, 2001, 2000, and it was only like 200 members, mm-hmm. and now it's over 800 members. So we're getting there. We are. <laughs> Slowly but surely. It's slow but sure, and I'm constantly in New York City and, and the surrounding areas. I'm constantly like trying to do education, and send, I send my book to... I, I end up buying more of my books than I think are sold, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so, because it's you. a great resource. Yeah. So. And I even wanted to say that, now you reminded me to say this, but for people listening who don't live in a part of this country like New York or LA, where there are a lot of pelvic pain specialists, and if they don't have as much access as people living in big cities might your book is such a good resource to kind of pick up and start from because it will provide you with a lot of the foundational information you need when when you have these problems and that that's really helpful yes i agree (laughs) (laughs) um so thank you again for being here and to everyone listening thank you for tuning in please share your thoughts comments and questions about this episode or any other episode at info at the women's pelvic health podcast.com i would love to hear from you and as always please rate and review the podcast in the itunes store i wish all of you health healing and happiness thank you